Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Next Generation. I'm your host, Jenna Norman, coming to you from not-so-beautiful upstate New York today. It's rainy and gross and cold, but it's Sunday, and Sundays are my favorite days because it's church day, it's football and food and family, and I'm bringing you a podcast today. So what we're going to talk about today is I've had a couple people ask for me to talk about this topic, um, SSRIs, antidepressants, um, antipsychotic meds, and the correlation with mass shootings. Um, I'm also going to go over a few topics that the mainstream media does not want to talk about. And then we're going to talk about um, the second coming of Christ, um, Jesus coming back. We talked about that in church today. So I thought I'd share a little bit about that. All right, let's dig in. SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Um, They're antidepressants, anti-anxieties, the big ones are Effexor, Cymbalta, Zoloft, Paxil, Celexa, Prozac. I'm sure you've heard of a few of those. They came out um, in the late 1970s. There are five major classes of antidepressants. SSRI, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. SNRI, Serotonin and Norepinephrine Reuptake Inhibitors. TCAs, Tricyclic Antidepressants, MAOIs monamine oxidase inhibitors, and then there's a class called atypical. How do they work? Um, Well, there are three basic molecules that are believed to be involved in mood regulation, dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. These work as neurotransmitters, which transmit nerve signals to their corresponding receptors in the brain. Antidepressants work by influencing these neurotransmitters, um, which are dopamine, which is um, for decision-making, motivation, and arousal, norepinephrine, alertness, motor function, blood pressure regulation, and heart rate, and serotonin, which regulates mood, appetite, sleep, memory, social behavior, and sexual desire. It is believed, believed in quotations, that people with depression have low availability of these neurotransmitters and antidepressants increase the availability. We're going to get into why I, you know, made quotations for the believed part on that. Um, But let me list you some of the side effects that come with these medications. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headache, drowsiness, dry mouth, insomnia, nervousness, agitation, restlessness, dizziness, sexual problems like reduced desire or erectile dysfunction, weight gain, weight loss, anxiety, depression, sweating, confusion, hostility, suicidal or homicidal thoughts, mania, panic, and impulsivity. And those are just a few. The FDA requires a black box warning for children teenagers and young adults under 25 that may have an increase in that they may have an increase in suicidal or homicidal thoughts or behavior. Anyone taking an antidepressant should be watched closely for worsening depression or suicidal behavior. Now if you're going to take a medication to fix your depression, it shouldn't make you more depressed. Anyways. Um, and that's without any other drug interactions that doctors will put you on because they usually put you on quite a few different medications. Um, if you have anxiety, depression, any of those kind of things, they like to load you up. Um, all right. There is a new study 
by UCL students, um, it was in 2022, that states, after decades of study, there remains no clear evidence that serotonin levels or serotonin activity are responsible for depression. It says, Professor Moncrief says, our view is that patients should not be told that depression is caused by low serotonin or by a chemical imbalance, and they should not be led to believe that antidepressants work by targeting these unproven abnormalities. We do not understand what antidepressants are doing to the brain exactly, and giving people this sort of misinformation prevents them from making an informed decision about whether or not to take an antidepressant. One interesting aspect in the studies were, um, we examined was how strong and affect adverse life events played in depression, suggesting low mood is a response to people's lives and cannot be boiled down to a simple, simple chemical equation. The professor added, thousands of people suffer from side effects of antidepressants, including the severe withdrawal effects that can occur when people try to stop them. Yes, prescription rates, yet prescription rates continue to rise. We believe this situation has been driven partly by the false belief that depression is due to a chemical imbalance. It is high time to inform the public that this belief is not grounded in science. Um, the withdrawals coming off of antidepressants is pretty bad. For those of you that don't know me, um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. I've been clean and sober for almost 12 years. So I have withdrawn from some pretty heavy drugs like heroin and uh, getting off antidepressants is is not as bad as heroin, but it it's right up there. It's not uh, it is not pleasant. It's not a pleasant experience. Okay, so what does this have to do with mass shootings? So just recently, we had the shooter in uh, Maine. I won't say his name because um, I don't want to give them any type of uh, recognition. But um, he was an Army reservist, forty years old, killed eighteen people in a bowling alley. Um, supposedly he had two weeks of inpatient, uh, psych center treatment. He was hearing voices, no, um, known mental health issues. He, and he threatened to shoot up a military base. So there's obviously some mental illness, uh, issues going on here. We have the Columbine shooter, the Virginia Tech shooter, the Sandy Hook shooter, Fort Hood, Nashville, Lewiston, Parkland, El Paso, Uvalde, the Navy Yard shooter. They were all mentally ill. And on some sort of antidepressant, anti-anxiety, psych medication. Um, so the antidepressants and psych meds seem to be a common denominator here. Mental illness seems to be a common denominator here. Um, why is there no investigation into this? Why is there? Why is no one else making the connection besides the few random people, uh, podcasters you see? Um, well, a couple years ago, it was found that Eli Lilly, which makes Prozac, was accused of paying money to victims of mass shootings to protect their brand. It says the Louisville Courier Journal reported that Eli Lilly that produces Prozac, the antidepressant that Joseph Westbacker's victims blamed for his deadly shooting rampage on September 14, 1989, going back a little bit, secretly paid the victims $20 million, which would be about $40 million today, to help ensure a court verdict um, exonerating the drug company. So, is, is there a link? Um, I don't know, but there seems to be a pattern. Um, but we do know two things for sure. The media and Big Pharma do not want you to ask these questions. And number two, we know that a lot of people are taking these drugs. Um, a lot of people that are taking these drugs are killing people. It's not just mass shooters either. There's uh, this woman 
his mother from Massachusetts. She methodically strangled her three children with an exercise band. And then she cut her own throat and jumped out a window. According to her lawyers, she suffered from postpartum depression and was overprescribed psych medications. So what's the explanation for this? Is it postpartum depression? Um, why would a mother who's seemingly, who's seemingly normal suddenly decide to murder her children? I don't think postpartum depression explains that. Many, of women, many women have postpartum depression and don't murder their children. This mother did. Why? Why did she do this? Her list of medications were Zoloft, Valium, Trazodone, Ativan, Clonopin, Prozac, and Seroquel. And the, Seroqu the Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic, was found to be at toxic levels in her system. I'm sure some people will point out that correlation does not equal causation. And if you've followed me for a while or, or you're an anti-vaxxer, you know exactly uh, how ridiculous that statement is. But um, the fact that a bunch of people that are quote-unquote mentally ill and prescribed SSRIs are committing murders does not necessarily prove that these drugs are causing these killings, but it certainly suggests that there's a possibility. The drug, the drug makers themselves say that, it's, um, say that it's a possibility. Drug makers are paying off victims. Media outlets are burying statistics by citing gang killings in their data to skew the results. Meanwhile, there's a new mass shooting every time we turn around. And getting rid of guns or blaming guns is not going to stop it. Um, the main shooter was in a gun-free zone. Most mass shootings are in gun-free zones because you know what? Criminals don't listen to the signs. They say don't bring a gun in here. They don't listen to laws. Um, and the, the mother that killed her children, she did it with an exercise band. I mean, it's not the guns, guys. It's not the guns. So what options do we have here? We need to determine why mass shootings and suicides are becoming more common in the past few decades, during which SSRIs have increased by 3,000%. 3,000%. Just a couple years ago, Big Pharma admitted that it has no idea how these SSRIs are even supposed to work. The basis for prescribing them is the quote-unquote chemical imbalance in the brain that has turned out to be a myth. So doctors are handling these are handing these drugs out like candy to anyone who walks into their office that says they have any type of anxiety or they're sad. More of these drugs are being prescribed and more mass killings are happening. It needs to be investigated. They're and they only the politicians only offer non-solutions like stricter gun laws, which we know do not work. And at the very least, we know that, that these drugs are not stopping these horrific killings from taking place. And in my opinion, they're making it worse. If a real investigation ever took place, Big Pharma would stand to lose a lot of money. So it was, it's never going to happen. Um, so the killings are going to keep happening, and they're going to continue to try to restrict our Second Amendment rights. Um, we really need to defend ourselves in this country, especially where this country is headed. And they like to use these shootings, whether you want to call them a false flag. Um, I know people love to call all these things false flags. Um, but the fact is people died and that's very sad and we should pray for them and their families. But they use every single one of these shootings to try to restrict our Second Amendment rights. And if we don't have our Second Amendment rights, we are screwed in this country. Um, I've had my own experiences with SSRIs. I know I mentioned, um, earlier that I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. Um, 
not only have I tried pretty much every drug on the planet besides meth, I have never tried meth and I've never injected anything. Um, But throughout all my issues in the past, doctors liked to put me full of different medications. Um, So the first time I was ever put on um, an antidepressant, it was in high school. Um, A boy I liked called me Jumbo Jet Jenna because I was chubby. made me really sad. So I decided to become anorexic, uh, which I did. Um, the doctor put me on Prozac, which come to find out, uh, Prozac is terrible for teenagers and young adults. Uh, but you know, he got me that prescription right away. Um, and I was found in the girl's bathroom hysterically try, uh, crying. I wanted to kill myself. I was even more depressed than I was before and I had to go to the hospital. Um, so shortly after that, I was switched to Cymbalta, I remember I started taking that right before we were going on a camping trip, and I slept the entire week we were gone. Like, lethargic, could not get out of my own way. All I wanted to do was sleep. It was awful. Um, The years following, I was on and off Effexor and Lexapro, uh, made me gain weight. I had no sexual desire, and it made me feel like a zombie. Uh, One of the biggest side effects that doctors don't tell people when they put them on these medications is that you're going to feel like you're like walking through fog. Um, You're kind of just a blank. I don't know. Like there's nothing behind the eyes anymore because it makes you not feel, makes you not feel anything. Um, Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So I finally decided to get off of them when I got out of rehab. Um, I was started going down all the different rabbit holes about big pharma and all this stuff. And it just made me feel like crap. I had met my uh, boyfriend, who's now my husband. And I just, I wanted off of it. I didn't want to have sexual relations, I guess you could call it. Like the, the, the drive wasn't there. Um, and that can, that can suck when you first start meeting uh, the person you're going to marry. Anyways, so I wanted to get off these meds. Made me feel like shit. So I found a therapist who was more on the holistic um, mindset than most of your therapists. I've seen a lot of therapists. Um, So I met this woman. I went in and talked to her. She was amazing. She understood why I wanted to get off of them. And she said, let's start you on medical marijuana. And I'm like, "Uh, hi, I'm a recovering addict. Probably shouldn't be smoking weed. She goes, no, no, no. You know, we're going to do this the medicinal way. You're not even going to smoke it. We're going to like there's liquid and there's pills and all that stuff. And I was like, I, I'd i rather do that than be on these medications. So I took her advice, went and got my medical marijuana card, tapered off the antidepressant that I was on, started the medical marijuana, and I have not been on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication for over 10 years. I actually have not been on any medication from Big Pharma in that many years because I will do everything in my power to not take anything from big pharma. Um, Is my life perfect that I'm off the antidepressants and I smoke weed now? No, no, no one's life is ever going to be perfect, but I can deal with the problems life throws at me without turning to a pill. And I don't feel like a zombie and I don't have any of the other crappy side effects and I have a very happy marriage. So those are my experiences with, you know, SSRIs, and antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. I do not recommend anyone getting on them. I know there's going to be people that say they are it works for them. Great. If it works for you, awesome. Please don't go shoot up any schools 
or public places. Um, but there's things out there that are more natural that can help you deal with life's shittiness without going on, you know, an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication. And if you reach out to me, I will help you get through that and give you some of my recommendations. So now that we've got that out of the way, um, let's talk about the news that mainstream media does not want you to know this week. Um, Alex Rosen. If you don't know Alex Rosen, he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, big burly guy. He was dragged out of a Hillary Clinton rally for asking Bill about his trip to Epstein Island. The video is hilarious. I hope someday I can figure out how to get video clips in here or, you know, do actual so you can see my face. I don't know why you'd want to see my face, but, um, expand this podcast to where it's video and I can show you video clips. But he was literally dragged. They like ripped his shirt and everything. Um, It was hilarious. But he's a a great dude. He uh, poses as, uh, I guess he poses as a pedophile, Um, reaches out to these actual pedophiles, and then he shows up at their house with the police and arrest them. So he's out there, uh, Alex Rosen, out there doing the Lord's work. It was hilarious. Uh, Go check that video out. So funny. Um, All right. Second story of the week. Got a lot of Big Pharma stuff coming at you this week. Uh, Big Pharma does not want you to know that statin drugs are impairing brain function. Um, If you don't know the correlation, not causation, um, the correlation between statins and dementia and Alzheimer's, that is a big rabbit hole to look into. Um, I did a deep dive on that a few months ago. I have a post up on my Facebook page that explains a lot of the data and science behind that and why it's happening. Um, and also, Dr. Asim Mohaltra, he is a cardiologist. He's fantastic. He's done extensive research on this subject. Um, he has a great book called The Statin-Free Life. Um, there definitely is a correlation between the statins and brain function. I, f- I forget the number of the percentage of Americans that are on statins, but um, it's the most widely prescribed drug in the U.S., um, and the research shows that it doesn't really do much for your heart health, um, LDL cholesterol-wise. I could go do a whole episode on that. So if you want an episode on that, let me know. But that is a great rabbit hole to go down. Um, <laughs> I've heard many, many cardiologists I've worked with in the past say they want to put statins in the water. Um, no, take your statins out of our water and take the fluoride out of our water and just leave us the hell alone, please. Um, all right. Number three, new research finds heart abnormalities within 48 hours after the COVID-19 shot. I don't know why anyone is surprised about this. I've been trying to blow the whistle on this for years and no one listens to me. But new research out of Germany observing rat and human heart cells shows that within 48 hours of vaccination, the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines form spike proteins. Spike proteins made from the mRNA and instructions inside the vaccines were detected in the heart cells. While both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines cause cell abnormalities, the two induced different anomalies. The different responses the cells had to the two mRNA vaccines suggest an mRNA toxicity reaction in these cells. According to Dr. Peter McCullough, a leading internist cardiologist and epidemiologist who has published over a thousand research reports, 
and is a lead author of one of the first widely utilized treatment regimens for SARS-CoV-2 patients. He added that 48 hours was a short amount of time to observe this. The findings support both the diagnosis and treatment of cardiac events following the mRNA-based COVID vaccination. The authors wrote, adding that the findings may explain persistent cardiac symptoms among long COVID patients. So there's definitely a connection between the COVID vaccine and heart issues. Um, I also could do a large podcast on what I've seen since the rollout of the vaccine um, working in cardiology. Um, that one may come up shortly. That one may come up shortly. But um, stop getting your COVID shots, people. Just don't do it. Um, and there, um, obviously, he's not a re- uh, promoter of this show, but the wellness company that Dr. Peter McCullough has started, there is a supplement on there. I don't remember what's in the supplement, um, but it is to treat the the toxicity of the spike protein. A lot of people have had really, really good luck with it. Um, and that's the wellness company. If anyone wants that website, just reach out to me. I can hook you up with that website. All right. Story number four. This is a report from Vigilant News. More pharma stuff. Sorry. Pfizer hid nearly 80% of COVID-19 vaccine trial deaths from regulators in order to qualify for emergency use authorization. Um, Vigilant News is also a fantastic follow on Twitter. Great, great uh, journalism going on there. So he states, Pfizer-BioNTech delayed reporting vaccine-associated deaths among BNT162B2 clinical trial participants until after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency use authorization for the product. The vaccine makers also failed to account for a large number of subjects who dropped out of the trial. Together, these strategies kept regulators and the public ignorant of a 3.7-fold increase in cardiac deaths among subjects who received the vaccine, according to the analysis in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research. The authors of the paper described it as a forensic analysis defined by the U.S. National Institute for Standards and Technology, the use of scientific methods or expertise to investigate crimes or examine evidence that might be presented in a court of law. So. The vaccines are causing a lot of issues. Um, fortunately, people are these doctors that have been trying to get the truth out there starting off about three years ago. People are finally starting to listen to them. Um, the truth is coming out and hopefully this will eventually be mainstream news and people people will stop, stop getting these vaccines. Um, I just saw that they put the monkeypox vaccine on the childhood schedule. I just why? Why would why would you put the monkeypox vaccine on the childhood schedule? And do a deep dive on the whole childhood schedule too because that is, is just insane some of the things that are on there. Like they just don't even make sense. Oh goodness. Okay, so that does it for news today. Um so now that we've talked about all that really fun and amazing, uh, hopeful, wonderful news, let's talk about the uh, second coming of Christ. Because <laughs> that's bright and cheery too, right? Um, so today in church, we talked about uh, Jesus coming back. And there's a lot of people talking about it lately, um, especially with all the crazy stuff going on in this world. 
The Bible talks about the second coming of Christ 318 times. And out of the 66 books, 40 of them talk about it. Um, I'm not a theologian or claim to be some sort of biblical scholar, but I know I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And yes, there is a hell and you do not want to spend eternity in hell. Eternity is a very, very long time. Um, Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back, even though everyone on Facebook claims that they know and have the inside scoop. um, no No one knows when Jesus is coming back. Jesus says himself that nobody knows but the Father. So no one knows but God uh, when Jesus is coming back. And I'm going to read uh, Matthew 24, 3 through 14 for you as proof, because we follow the word of God here. Um, as he's talking to his, as Jesus is talking to his disciples. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but not see to it. Um, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness and the love of the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the question is Jesus coming back in our lifetime? So, so many people ask that question. That's the wrong question. The right question is, are you ready for him to come back? And that's what Pastor talked about today at church. Um, to be completely honest with you, I'm scared for my family that is not yet saved. I don't like to be a pushy Christian, um, but I pray every day that my family will be saved and want to come to church with me and have a relationship with Jesus because I don't want them to spend eternity in hell while I'm sitting up in heaven having the time of my life. Like, I'm, that's going to make me feel bad. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to be really sad that my family's down there. Um, but we, we, you know, we can't let this consume us. We, we pray and pray and um, try to be, you know, live out the fruits of the spirit so people can see the way Jesus has changed you in your life and have them say, I want that. Like, I want, I want that joy. I want that security. I want to be safe like that. Um, We have to live our lives, and our assignment here as believers is to give our testimony and bring more people into the kingdom. That is our number one job, is to bring more people into the kingdom and talk to people about Jesus and our testimony. Um, Like my pastor said, our goal is 100 souls. Like Each one of our goals here while we're here on earth is to bring 100 souls into the kingdom. So that's my goal. Um, I don't really have much else today. Um, I did want to t- uh, talk about, I said I was going to 
um, talk about a small business um, or promote a small business on my podcast every week. Um, I didn't ask her if I could do this, but she's my sister-in-law, so she'll be fine with it. But my sister-in-law owns Lunar Eclipse Massage. It's um, out in Rome way. She is an amazing massage therapist, and I'm kind of partial because she's my wonderful sister-in-law, and I love her dearly. So if you're looking for a great massage, um, Lunar Eclipse Massage, and it is Heather Brown, my wonderful sister-in-law. So go check her out. Um, So that pretty much does it for today, guys. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and leave a review. Um, Please go leave a review because I got... uh, bombarded by crazy liberal white Twitter people today. And they're probably going to my podcast page and leaving me a ton of terrible reviews. <laughs> I don't know why I get myself into these Twitter wars with crazies. Um, but if you would, please go and leave me uh, a five-star review. If you like the podcast, um, like and share with your friends. Let me know if there's any topics you want me to talk about. My email is jcalvert616 at aol.com. And you can get me on Facebook at Jenna Calvert Norman. And all right, I'll see you next time on The Next Generation. Joshua 1-9.